Welcome to the podcast of the Urban Mystic. My name is Tim and I'm hosting this episode together with my good friend Steve Carter. There's a number of emerging caveats that have uh, that have arisen and in this podcast we reflect on those caveats as they've arisen from conversations that we're having with people. These are the caveats that uh, Steve and I just uh, covered preceding further issues related to the experience of the transcendent and issues of certainty and reliability in relation to them. Since that was a long conversation, um, we're going to bracket these caveats in this episode and carry the conversation around issues of certainty and reliability onto the next podcast. You'll notice that this episode is preceded by a jingle, uh, which really raises the production values on one hand, and the music is courtesy of Steve, and is an own original piece of work that he has mixed himself. So thank you very much, Steve, and without further ado, let's uh, get on with the podcast. So as we've uh, kind of discussed a little bit back and forth, we've both had some interesting feedback from some listeners, some of you out there who've just uh, either got hold of us directly, phone calls, or we've had messages or whatever just around uh, some of what we've covered so far. Um, And I thought it might be useful to, in some ways, answer some of those questions, um, but more just put some caveat disclaimers onto what we've covered so far. And I think the most important one for me is, as we kick off tonight's episode um, is this idea of, of I'm, I'm claiming and I'm holding on to the idea that we are still very much in process um, and that, you know, Tim, you don't speak for me and I don't speak for you, but we're in this wonderful dialogue where we are very much just exploring these great questions. Um, and so, although I would also hold to to the idea that we're, you know, we're well read and we've thought thought long and hard through these concepts before we try to just, you know, run roughshod and have a bash at them. You know, we're we're being as intentional, as thoughtful, as prayerful as we can coming into these conversations. Uh, but on the other side of that is, you know, we're the holders of all truth, and there's very much a process going on. Um, and as we said just now to each other, we kind of acknowledging that uh, the mystical journey in some ways is off the map, it's off the grid. And that's part of the, the risk in these conversations is to sometimes perhaps seem like we've actually got some answers pinned down uh, and we might have some ideas of answers, I think. Uh, I've got some ideas of answers, but I'm, uh, I'm not so naive as to think that I've got everything sorted and I've got all the answers. Uh, and so that was just really some helpful feedback from a couple of listeners that have got hold of me and I thought let's let's caveat that. So I don't know everything. I do know some things. Some of the things I know I'm not so sure I'm sure about. Some of the other things I'm very sure about but might become less sure about over time. Um, But what I am really enjoying is the freedom, the liberty to just ask expansive questions and not already put limits to the work of deconstruction uh, through the cycle into reconstruction. Um, and so I think that's really important both uh, for, for me and potentially us as we speak on these dialogues, but also for the listener to, to understand. And then also an encouragement, I think, from my side that the listener is, is aware of process within themselves and that they also join that idea that we can reject the, the fast approaching idea of certainty or our desire to hold on to certainty and just, just strike out into the unknown a little. Um, and and move in somewhat uh, in some ways with with where these questions would lead us, 
um, without trying to predetermine an outcome or be absolutely certain of where we're going to end up. You know, I, I, I want to just start off by, by agreeing with you. I think I think it's 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 easy to push people into boxes and push people into false contrasts. And and I know in conversation with people, um, there's a lot of people that 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 try to box me in one direction or the other because then they feel like they know where they stand, and it frees them from these questions and frees them from this kind of process for themselves because they can remain in their certainty or within their comfort zone. And and I, I understand that it's it's reflexive, particularly for people that are are very invested. You know, people whose careers are in ministry and, and religion and in the spirituality of others. You know, it's 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 these kind of things can be quite threatening because we're actually um, treading on their on their own personal faith in some ways, and in other ways threatening some of their market share. You know, people don't want people deconstructing; they want them coming to church. <laughs> you know, you don't want people not coming to your temple or your your religion, you know, um, and you don't want people causing trouble and, and shaking things up. So, so I can understand that, and I can I can appreciate that. But on on the other hand, I I feel like like there's a there's a strong need for certainty where people always want clarity and definition. You know, people are often just going, you know. You're just trying to tear something down. There is no alternative. This is tried and tested. What have you got to offer, et cetera, et cetera? And 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 I realize that that for some people that is the case. You know, I was saying to someone today that, you know, if you're starting out in a in, in a business in an unknown market, you can at least define your business and know what it is. If you, and, and it's the same within religion and spirituality. When people go into their careers, there's these tried and tested institutions and structures. They define your career and your responsibilities for you, and in some ways, you know, you you use the phrase Steve of of going of being off the map and of having to develop a new map, and in some ways, I feel like that's where where I'm at. Um, I, you know, and without speaking for you, it, it, you know, there's also the acknowledgement that in that, that you're there too. It's it's the whole thing of going, you know, we don't with deconstruction you can start out with a clear idea of the direction that you're heading in, but you don't necessarily know the path or the steps that you're going to take. And so on one hand, it looks like you're going back to where you came from. On the other hand, it looks like you're trying to tear it down and burn it down and go in the complete opposite direction. On some days, you just want to give it all up, and on other days, you're very clear on what it is you're experiencing. You know, And, and there's all those realities. That's just part of the reality of life and relationships and of spirituality in the real world You know, and, and mysticism in the real world. And I feel like as a as a caveat, it's it's very important to to acknowledge that that is the case, and it is the case for everyone that undergoes any form of of, of journey along these lines. You know, um, even as you even as you say, it's not like we're trying to put forward that we have all the answers. You know, in many ways, we're opening potentially and probably practically we're opening more questions than we're providing answers for anyway. And again, that's the nature of this. But but we're not doing it as people who are just doing it flippantly. You know, we're not you know, we're not just raging against the machine mindlessly or reflexively. So this is something that we worked with for a long time and, you know, we these are very real questions we are exploring for ourselves and in relationship with other people you know independently of of this as a podcast the other thing i was reminded of as i was thinking about this during today was uh, i listened to a series of talks by the now ex-pastor rob bell or as i call him uncle rob <laughs> um, 
and he was talking about the, the uh, kind of the, the traditional idea of the sermon. And then he talks about recapturing the sermon as guerrilla warfare. And then he talks about it as poetry and he talks about it as protest and a couple of other things. But one of the things that really struck me, he said, um, a sermon or, you know, into people's different contexts, a lecture, a talk, a preach, uh, you know, whatever it might be where somebody is just, there's one person speaking and a number of people listening. He says, should always be the first word in a conversation. It's never meant to be the last word. And I think that's something that I really hold quite dear. And I'm so grateful to him for introducing me to that idea that even when I, when I speak to people or when I preach, I try to, to take pains to say, this for me is the beginning of a conversation. It's never meant to be listened to as the end of a conversation. And so if any of the listeners out there might be thinking, sure, you know, you, you guys are trying to wrap things up neatly in a bow. That's absolutely the opposite of what I always try to do, especially when I preach. I, I'm trying to leave open-ended questions. As you said earlier, you know, you, you explore questions and they bring more questions. Uh, I actually, I cherish that process. Um, and I can't remember the, the source, so I, you, you, you can't quote me on this. But I remember somebody talking about uh, a rabbi once saying, you know, why would you settle for easy answers when you could have such delicious questions? Um, and I love that idea of going, great, well, let's dig into the questions. And hopefully what we will arrive at is better questions, not everything tied up neatly in a bow. And that would be another caveat for me that, that runs very much with the first one that I shared in terms of the process. But it just, for me, puts a fine point on the idea of I'm exploring, and I hope that you're exploring uh, as listeners. I know Tim is exploring, um, and we've got some clear thoughts and some unclear thoughts. Um, but it's, it's to add to, I think, a conversation, and I think it adds a, a vital element to a greater conversation that's out there. Um, and it's a, it's a really, really vital one, which is why I'm willing to take the risk of doing these conversations and recordings. Um, but it's not meant to be the final word in anything. Uh, perhaps the best way to think of it is uh, some form of catalyst. Are we just stirring within ourselves and around us enough? Uh, but with this continual focus that we keep coming back to in our talks about the primacy of relational engagement with a being that is real, and draws near to speak and act to to use your phrase to like like some people use the phrase that I'm I'm stirring the pots or kicking the hornet's nest, <laughs> and 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 I like that in some senses, but I, but but I feel like I'm stirring the pot for a reason because I I really want to stir the desire the reality of experience, and 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 the pursuit thereof over and above the certainties of of the faith in in something that you don't experience, something that isn't available to you. You know, um, you know, the classic image that we that that was bandied around in the vineyard is is when you go into restaurants and you handed a menu. <laughs> you know, the menu is not the meal. The menu is there for you to order off of, right? It's uh, it's supposed to give you the highlights. And a lot of our, our, our religion, our spirituality is like that, except we're stopping we, we we're arriving at the temple or the events and we handed the menu and that's as far as we go. And in some ways I think of, of modern education is all about, especially at the undergrad level and the schooling level, is all about giving the answers. And you're supposed to feed those answers back and we curate it into that for the majority of our lives. And it's very difficult for people at the postgrad level often to unlearn that method of learning in order to start 
contributing to any real research you know and so in some ways even if we look back to the to the method of learning just before the modern period we talk about um you know the scholastic method and we still retain some of that language today in religious circles where people talk about the lecture divina and the you know which is which is the reading it's either the reading out loud or the or the silently sitting with the text and reading and then you're supposed to meditate on it right and that's usually as far as it goes today within our modern context, because that's supposed to be enough to bring you to faith in whichever religion that you have. You know, it's a reading and you accept what is read. You know, if there's anything in your life that doesn't align with it, well, you've got to change what you believe. You've got to change what you, what you have. But if you, if you dig a little bit further, the reading and the meditation was supposed to bring you to the place where you ask deep questions, questions that can even destabilize that text and unsettle the institution. And then the whole process was to bring people together with those questions and to enter into disputations, to actually wrestle with those and wrestle towards answers within your context in your life. And I feel like that latter process is almost completely removed from spirituality. And so we often stay in this parent-child dynamic of a hundred or a thousand people going to church and one person having, say, for half an hour or 45 minutes or, or longer in some contexts, you know. I, you know, these days I can't think of a greater waste of time, you know, especially since, um, like, a, like a friend of mine mentioned a, a while back, and, and again, I don't have the source of that, but, you know, it's only about 5% of what people teach <laughs> or say in that kind of context that's retained, you know, and, 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 and I hear it over and over again people that are so sold on their church and their church experience and and i usually just look at them and go what did they speak about last week <laughs> and nine times out of ten they can't tell me and if i ask them what did they speak about two weeks ago usually 10 out of 10 can't tell me and it's the rare person that can there's always the one person there's always the exception that proves the rule right <laughs> but but aside from that exception for the most part People don't retain it, you know, and and if you think about why they're there, that's not actually what they what they're there for. And if they are, it's worrying. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, I, I think I think with this this is very much the it, it's personal journey, personal process, uh, real questions, actual engagement, you know, and, and that needs to become central. Um you know, and, and provided we're moving in that direction, I don't think you need to have the answers. You know, you just need to be encouraged to move, to to take up the journey, you know, and and through this process of deconstruction, there is a bit of a reconstruction as well, you know, which again is not about having answers, but it is about knowing that there is a process and there is a journey that people have walked before. And and in some cases, our journey can mirror that. In other cases, it, it, it might not. But it's not for a lack of, information or stories being out there it's just for for the institutions as we have it being impoverished and disconnected from them. and and when i hear i think it's probably the last point i would raise before we move on um, and i'm going to ask you the question when i hear you talking about you know people are only retaining five percent of what they're being told and you know etc etc when i hear you critiquing those sorts of parts of the system um, are you saying that there is zero value in any of those things, or are you just trying to position that in terms of this argument around the primacy of relational engagement? Because um, I think that's one of the other things that I've picked up from people going, you know, are we, are we saying baby and bathwater here, um, or is it just to, to make the point? 
of the importance of the relationship. Sure, that's that's a tough one to answer because I feel like it's a bit of a both. It's a bit of a both and. I I don't think that our, our talk to teach model is particularly effective at teaching people anything. You know, so so language that is often used in religious circles is they is is people are, are receiving a teaching, and I go, but what did you learn? And and people have learned nothing. So if they haven't learned anything, teaching hasn't been taken place. And so so I feel like it. I, I use that as a as a statement because I want to highlight that and just go, in that sense, to stir the pot of getting back to the what do you want out of this and are you getting what you want, or are you getting a bit of a bait and switch? You're there for one thing. And you actually just enjoy what's going on and it works for you, but you're not getting what you actually wanted out of it. And somewhere along the way, perhaps you've forgotten the desire for relational connection that brought you there in the first place, or perhaps you've forgotten the the experience and the potential follow-on from that that has gotten you there. You know, um, so so it's a bit of a tricky one to to answer in that sense because on one hand, I just want to go, this is not working. Just tear it all down. Just give it all up. <laughs> and often that's what hear, people hear me say, and, and that's where they stop listening, and that's what they react to. And they don't move on to the next thing. And the next thing is is begin with a desire for genuine relational connectivity and experience. Make that the priority. If we can find ways to support that with a structure and establishment, that's not a that's that's not a problem. I, I do think that there can be a marrying of the two together in a healthy way. But I think starting from what we've got, people too easily fall back into that. So how, how do you end up with what we actually need and want that feeds us and gives us life as opposed to an institution that is almost the the Mac faith, you know, the Mac spirituality that actually isn't feeding us, even though we don't come away hungry. We might arrive hungry, but then come away not hungry. But we actually haven't been nourished. You know, and so so um I realize it's just fallen into an analogy. <laughs> no, but that's great, though. I mean, because I, th- I think I hear what you're saying, and so I, I, I think you know we've we've got other things on our on our mind for for the conversation tonight, and without spending another hour to to sort of refine it and really dig into it, what I hear you saying is really helpful as a beginning of an answer to that, which is kind of similar to, I think, back some of our conversation around the first and second order change idea. Um, and I find it similar, uh, and I'll end here. You know, when, when you critique capitalism to people, the initial response is, oh, great, well, what are you suggesting? Socialism, and I guess we'll all just go back to living in trees. And you, But you know what? This is a really unhelpful response <laughs> because I'm not suggesting either, A, that I have the answers to what the new system might look like. I've got some thoughts, definitely, but I'm not, I'm not coming to tell you, hey, I've figured out what we should do. I'm saying, sure, this thing does not seem to be working. It's not serving us, you know, which is, is kind of what the economic system should be doing, I think. And so that response is not helpful. And I think that's partly what I was just hoping to get you to comment on just briefly, which you have, is can you just hold on to this process is kind of what I hear you saying and don't get lost in the, oh, fine, so we must just burn the church down and then what have we got? Um, but that's kind of what I've heard you saying is, is if we can position these conversations around the deconstruction of going, this is not working. Can we at least sort of begin from that departure point 
we're not sure yet what might work. We've got some good ideas. And, and our main thrust is the primacy of relational engagement. And as you say, the things can be built on after that. But to approach, the pro- approach relational engagement with all the baggage means it will never be made a, a, a primary objective is kind of what I hear you saying. Um, and so hopefully that's helpful for the people who raise those questions around, well, what are you saying? Are you saying we just burn the world down and start again? Maybe, maybe not. It, it's important to realize that there's so much that is that is unconscious. You know, it's like we, we don't deconstruct, um, you know, the false gender narrative by continuing to buy blue stuff for boys and, and pink stuff for girls, right? <laughs> you know, um, you've got to go a bit beyond that. You can't go, let's let's retain this distinction and this structure and all the marketing material and around it and then go, well, let's add the deconstruction on, on, on afterwards. And I feel like in some ways, with the institutional focus that we've had, we are so, uh, the royal we, I should say, is so invested in maintaining that and on on those structures being what they they need for the rest that they can't they can't de- they they can't let go of it and so they feel like anything that threatens that actually threatens the you know what what they're actually about this isn't a one size fits all conversation the the people that are whose careers are on the line because they're professionals in ministry and spirituality the dynamics of that conversation differs to the conversation of the person who's basically the person who shows up, who's the member, who's the volunteer, you know, who is part of the system that's being served. You know, there's there's different ways to have this as a conversation, and 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 we need to have both conversations, you know, and um and as part of that, it's it's a question of 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 going, what are people invested in? Are they actually invested in the institution? Or they invested in people relationally engaging God and helping people do that, you know, um, and not just God, the the transcendent as well. You know, the transcendent is a broader category because it's not just about it's it, it's not just about God. You know, it's about the 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 inward journey and the engagement with self, and it's also about the underlying emptiness of everything and the the capturing a vision for what the world can be as opposed to the world that is. You know, and and I feel like in 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 some ways that's where the comments on things like capitalism or socialism is exactly it. You know, in, in most cases, we people react like we're forced between these absolutely established alternatives as opposed to going, there's a new way, there's a better way. That's great. Cool. Hopefully, listener, that has, that has helped in some ways. Uh, I'm hoping it is both clarified and further confused what we've been talking about so that there's some peace and also some work for all of us to do (laughs) if i can say that brings us to the end of this session where we just needed to touch base on some caveats that are emerging with some things that we've had some questions about thank you very much for joining us uh, for another podcast of the urban mystic thank you very much steve for the jingle for joining me for this session again and um, I really just hope that you enjoy the upcoming session on certainty and reliability.